0: Young, back to throw, in trouble, he's going to be sacked, no, gets away, he runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10, he dies, touchdown 49ers!
1: What's up 49er faithful, it's Zay Naffy with Al Sackle on the No Huddle Podcast, presented by 49ers Web Zone. and Al, we got a great show planned for today. We do have a great show. We actually have, in my opinion, what was one of the steals of the draft.
2: And the 49ers were lucky to get this player in the sixth round. And today we get to talk to him.
1: And without further ado, we'd like to welcome to the show the 49ers sixth round pick in the 2017 draft out of Ole Miss defensive tackle, DJ Jones. DJ, welcome to the Niners. Welcome to the Bay. And thank you so much for being on our show. Uh, glad to be
0: here. Glad to be here. Glad to be a Niner.
1: That's awesome. And are are you currently in the Bay right now, or yeah, are you in Mississippi or in South Carolina? Where are you at right now?
0: I'm I'm in Santa Clara right now. I am in the Bay. Oh,
1: that's awesome. So you've you've gotten used to the 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 great weather, the bad traffic, and the exorbitant uh, real (laughs) estate prices. Then, huh? Yes,
0: sir. Yes, sir. The weather is beautiful. Can't get sick
1: of that. That's awesome. That's awesome. We're we're really happy to have you here. So, um, just jumping right into some of these questions that we have for you from the outside looking in. The combine kind of looks like a whirlwind of drills, interviews and and all that sort of stuff. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about your experience at the combine and what day-to-day life is like at the combine?
0: Oh, yes sir. I mean, everything, I mean, everything you do is being watched, everything's a test. Um the second we got there, we did some kind of um leg workout. Um I mean, I thought everything, I thought the physical day was the last day, but I mean, Um, I mean, just, just sitting down with every coach, I think I sat down with all 32 teams at the, um, at the combine, including the 49ers. Um, it's just a three, four days of not much rest and, and them seeing what you can do on that last day physically.
2: DJ, you know, you hear stories about guys getting drafted by teams and and, and they had no idea that they were even on their radar. Did you know the 49ers were interested in you and were there any other teams that you thought you might get drafted by?
0: I had no idea um, when I got that call. The only time that I was in contact with them was at the combine. I sat down with Coach Z and Coach uh, V at the at the table. Um, we sat down with them. I sat down with them for about 10, 15 minutes, and we did what they did with everybody. Um, I had no idea. Um, I had the Raiders. I had, I thought, Miami, uh, Baltimore was we talking heavy. So I had no idea when that call came through, I was, I was shocked.
1: Yeah. We, we hear about these, these draft day stories of a lot of these guys and obviously they, they've got the cameras at these people's houses and the, and the cameras and the war rooms and everything and everything's on social media now. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's basically the biggest up to that point of the biggest day of your life. So can you kind of share what that experience was, was like, what, you know, when were you really expecting to come off the board and, um, you know what? What was it like when you actually got drafted? What was that moment like?
0: Um, I was sitting at home with the family. Um, they were just—I was sitting in my mom and dad's room when it happened. It was my cousin, two of my cousins, in there with me. Everybody else was in the living room. Um, I was—I was expecting fifty-six, fifth um, but I mean, any time for me would have been fine um, when I came off the board. The. Um, we saw that my cousin saw that San Francisco had a back-to-back pick um, in the sixth round, and when I got that call, it said San Jose or Santa Clara. I mean, I picked it up, and I mean, I, I had gotten several calls where they they were saying, "Oh, we're about to get you here, get you there," and we hope to hope to get you on down the line. So I wasn't, I didn't think it was anything serious, but when I got the call, it was it was just a blessing. Um, a lot of weight off my shoulders and I was just ready to get here and do the work.
2: Who was on the phone when you picked it up?
0: Say again? Who, who
2: called, who called you? Was it John Lynch? Was it somebody from just from the Niners front office?
0: It was somebody from the front office. They were, they, uh, they, they sent me over to Lynch.
2: Oh, that's cool. That had to be great. And what did John say to you when, uh, when you got in touch with him?
0: Uh, Oh, he was just happy to have you. Um, and I was happy to be a part of the organization. Um, just he told me to uh enjoy enjoy the moment um for the next couple of days that night and get ready to come in and go to work. and,
2: and it's still early in the process but you've had rookie mini camp and, and OTAs. What's your impression been so far of the coaching staff and, and the Niners staff and an and NFL coaching staff?
0: Oh, it's a great staff. Um a lot of the coaches have been in a lot of places. Um they bring a lot to the table for this for this organization. Um, Lynch being of a young GM. Um, uh, he's he knows the ins and outs of the game. Um, head coach and he's great. Um, if you watched offensively, he's a he's a offensive minded coach. Great on that side of the ball. We've got our defensive staff is amazing. From what I've seen, we've been in OTAs. Um, OTA started this past week, and I mean, just from what I see and what we're doing, I
1: mean, I see nothing but going up. And DJ, how how did OTAs go for you? What what sort of drills that they have you guys doing in there? How 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 was that whole process for you?
0: Oh, it's mainly uh, we're just in helmets, uh, with jerseys, so it's not much contact. But um, just just them allowing getting to see us move around, um, run. Uh, it's a lot of running. Um, just in plays, we're we're doing drills in a lot of individual. Um, not much pass rush, so I can't wait just can't wait to get the pads on and finally get to run through somebody's chest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Man, that's that's so great to hear. You can hear guys like yourself and, and Ruben Foster. Ruben, he's got that bum shoulder, but the dude, you know, he came out in full gear and he wants to practice and stuff. It's it's awesome that we have guys like you on the team. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's and it's it is great. You know, it's something that's kind of been lacking on the team in the in the last few years and, and just to see that hunger and passion and and just that will to, to get out there and, and, and lay it all out there. It's just, it's just so refreshing. And um, it's, right. it is a bit of an adjustment. I'm, I'm sure it's, it's a, in terms of coming from Greenville and then, and then coming from Mississippi and, and coming here to the Bay area, does that kind of factor into the whole uh, adjustment of being in the pro game as well?
0: Um, I, I think I'm, I'm one of the type of guys that can adjust to anything. Um, I went from Greenville, South Carolina. Um, to East Mississippi Community College, where there was nothing, and then uh, I went to Ole Miss. I mean, it was, it was a step up, but it wasn't. It wasn't just a lot more. But um, I think I can adjust to anything. It's just the fact that I need to. I have. To, I gotta play football. Um, football has been a part of my life, my um, my entire life. So I mean, it's, it's, it won't be hard.
1: Yeah, DJ. You mentioned that you uh, you went to junior college in Mississippi, and and some people don't know that you actually helped that team win two national championships, back to back championships. I mean, you kind of like low key playing it off like it wasn't a big deal, but that's a, that's a really big deal, man. <laughs>
0: I mean, uh, it was. We had a great team, two great teams. We were stacked. I mean, we uh, played some good competition, but I don't think they weren't ready. Uh, we were just. I mean, we were well coached. Um, as as many people know, <laughs> but um, it was just two great teams that I was had the opportunity to win two national championships.
2: All right, DJ. So I'm just not saying this because you're on the phone with us right now, but I, I thought you were a steal. I, I really did. I, I thought you could have gone a lot higher in the draft. And I was actually reading something on, on NFL.com. It was Lance Sirline. put out an article, and he mentioned your name as a potential breakout rookie. And I don't know if you've seen this, but I was going to read it to you. So what he said is Jones is a quick – disruptive interior lineman with the type of foot quickness that can give offensive linemen problems when he's rushing the quarterback. I saw flashes against sec competition that made him look like more like a third rounder than a six rounder, which I agree with. And if he plays to his ability, can become an early contributor and an eventual starter. When you hear things like that, um, those sort of expectations, do you put more pressure on yourself? Do you just kind of run with it? Do you not even pay attention to him and just play your game? How do you handle that?
0: Uh, I'm, I'm already my biggest critic. Um, me I got to be the best so I got to do things to make myself the best um I just want to work as hard as I can if if starting is in my future let that be um it it depends on how hard I work
1: for it And have you had any contact with the incumbent defensive lineman like Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, uh, Earl Mitchell who just came on from the Dolphins? Have you have you really had any contact with them uh, just yet?
0: Yes sir. Um been talking to Chris Jones. Um Great guy, Earl Mitch, like you said, great guy. Um, great players too. Um, yeah, we've been talking a little bit, not much, but um, more, more talking to coach, coaches, and just getting right in the playbook and watching a lot of film.
1: So has has there really been early any early indication of the amount of reps you'll be getting and what position you'll be getting those reps at? You know, your list at defensive tackle. You're six one, about three twenty. You know, you're a big dude who could really help you know, stuff to run and get in there right away from day one. Have you really got an indication about where they're planning on using you?
0: Oh, um, no, sir. But I've been uh, here in OTAs. I've been in uh, nose tackle. Um, all my riffs have come from nose tackle. So um, that's about that's all about all I know right now.
2: And, and I think a lot of fans assume, you know, you're playing nose tackle and, and you're definitely going to be a run stuffer. But, but like the scouting report said about you, you are quick and disruptive. And you actually had six sacks and eight and a half tackles for loss your last two years in college. Can you tell the fans a little bit about your complete game, not not just stuffing the run, but about rushing the passer? What can the fans expect to see out of you?
0: Um, I, I, I do believe I'm one of the faster nose tackles. Um, my feet, um, I think I use them as more than my power, um, my finesse, um, and my lower center of gravity. I like to get up on the pads and drive a drive an offensive lineman back. And uh, My hands, my hand speed. Just, just my instinct to get to the quarterback. That's what I enjoy.
1: You can actually dunk, and that's really cool. And anybody who's who goes to your Twitter page, I think the one that's pinned, I believe, is of you dunking on like you know it's like a regulation hoop. And to see a guy right. with that size getting up there and throwing down—I mean, that's that's pretty impressive, man.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, just something I've been able to do my entire life. Um,
1: just be athletic and big at the same time. So are you are you playing ball then or who who you got in the finals? You got the Cavs or the Warriors?
0: Oh, that's a tricky question, huh? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love I love LeBron James. Got to respect Stephen Curry. Um Oh no, I can't even the past couple of years I've been going I've I picked wrong the past couple of years, so I ain't
1: even going to say. <laughs> well, I mean, you're you're in Warriors country now, man, so I mean, it's, it's like you got to <laughs> be kinda, you got to be kind of careful. Exactly. Right.
2: right the nba is tough for me these these days though because i i don't know you just you knew it was going to be the warriors and the Cavs, you know i just feel like why do you even do the play the season almost
1: felt worthless to me this year because you knew it was going to be those two teams
0: everybody knew yeah it was
1: like no surprise yeah so i mean where do you stand on this whole lebron and jordan debate then what were you are you you know because me i'm a diehard like mj fan like since since day one i'm ride or die with mj so what do you feel about, you know, that whole debate with Jordan and, and LeBron right now?
0: I'm in a, I am in. mean, we're all in a – this this youth, we're all in a LeBron James generation. Like, we're in his – like, this is his – this is his basketball. Like, he does all this. And back in the day, it was Jordan's. I mean, so I got to go with LeBron, of course. I mean, the dude is a freak. 6'8", um, what, 250? Yeah, he might he might be the most <laughs> athletic guy on the planet. Yeah, he's insane. Yeah, I mean, gotta respect him, um, and I know Steph Curry and the whole Draymond might talk all that trash, but he knows he knows what's up. <laughs> <laughs> so who
1: would you say is is the is the LeBron of the NFL today? Who would you who would you say is that guy like the marquee talent of the NFL?
0: Oh man, Tom Brady all day. I mean, as much as respect as LeBron has. Um, Tom has just as much. Um, he's he's just he's just a great man, great quarterback. Came last year, solidified it for me um,
1: that he's the he's the best in the league. Have you kind of thought about what it would be like to actually get to him and take him down?
0: Oh man, I'd have it'd be one of those moments where I would sack him and help him up. That's the only quarterback I. <laughs> <laughs> Sack him and help him up. That's about it. Um, but, I mean, I hope you get to him as many times as
1: possible. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. It's funny. We hear about Miles Garrett. He said the same thing, too. And and that's just more game-recognizing game. You know what I mean? Like, it's a guy coming into this league, and and that's kind of the the bar that you guys set for yourself. So it's kind of cool to hear you guys talk about sacking Tom Brady and how that's, like, a big, you know, that's a big goal for a lot of people. So, you know, you're not the only one. There's there's a lot of guys out there that that want to do that
0: i know
1: everybody wants to get their hands on him yeah so um so you went to ole miss and it turns out obviously many people know that pat willis also went to ole miss and although you guys were several years apart have you had contact with pat and have you kind of uh seen the legacy that he's left at ole miss and have you had a chance to speak with him
0: oh i have not i haven't talked to him um i know he's He's still enjoying his time off, <laughs> but um, I follow him on Instagram. I see everything he does. But no, I haven't. But I know the legacy that he left behind at Ole Miss. I know he's a legacy left here. Um, hell of a player. Um, great guy. Uh, I respect his game to the fullest.
2: All right, DJ, we're gonna try something new, new today on the podcast. So, so you're, you're our first guest. We're doing this with, but we want uh, we know about DJ D- D- the football player. We want to know a little bit about DJ the person. So we're gonna give you some quick rapid-fire type questions just just so the fans could get to know you a little bit you ready
0: gotcha
2: all right all right what are your favorite go-to movies like the movies when they're on tv no matter where you pick it up you got to watch them all
0: friday the friday collection (laughs) yeah
2: yeah those are those are those are good ones what about favorite musical artists
0: oh uh i gotta go wayne kid your wife and Lucha out of the south
2: favorite athlete now or growing up
0: favorite athlete growing up with a... oh man yeah i mean lebron james i mean like i said i grew up i grew up in his in his come up
2: favorite team in any sport whether now growing up whatever it was
0: the old Miss rebels i'm a i'm a rebel for life now um,
2: there you go that's that's a good answer
1: yeah, all right if you could ha- ha-
2: if you could have one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Potato
1: salad. A good potato,
0: potato salad? salad. My, my mom will hear this podcast. She knows, she knows. That's her purpose. <laughs> the greatest ever.
1: That's great. That's great stuff, man. And, uh, you know, DJ, as, as we kind of wrap up our questions, is there anything that you can tell 49er fans that, that uh, they don't already know about you, about your game, about you can bring to... Um, the team, the city, and the organization.
0: Um, positivity. Um, just uh, win or lose. I mean, we're gonna. I'll be in the locker room. Positivity. Um, just another another level of of what we already have. Um, guys like Chris Jones, Earl Mitchell. Um, I just hope to bring exactly what they're bringing because those are um, two guys that that set a standard um, for the organization. I just want to. Just tell, just tell him. Uh, stay, keep faith, keep faith. I was actually in San Francisco and talked to a to a fan, diehard fan. And he was uh, he was just spilling his heart out to us how he's been feeling these past couple of years. But I told him to keep faith.
1: And that's you know, this is a fan base, and it's a really, and you'll find this out soon enough. Is it's a really savvy fan base, it's a really smart fan base, a fan base that's been right. through, you know, and you, and you can see that when you talk to them, right? Yep. Yes, sir. Yeah, and and it's a fan base that's been through a lot of really good, uh, good times and a lot of really ups and uh, really high ups, and then obviously the last you know couple of decades has been sparse success. So it's it's a really a fan base that's hungry to win.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I um, hope that 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 is coming in the future.
1: Excellent, excellent stuff, DJ. Well, DJ, thank you so much for joining us. You know, it's been it's been awesome. I really, really hope we get to talk to you again. And best of luck this season and stay healthy out there. All right.
0: Yes, sir. Thank you all. Go none.
1: Thank you, DJ. All right, take care. Man, that was a good interview, Al. DJ DJ Jones seems like a really, really bright guy, really, really motivated guy. And seems like a guy that that really is going to help with this rebuilding process. Yeah, he really did. Just positive attitude.
2: I liked a lot of the things that he said. It got me excited and it was great to actually get, get a, one of the players on um, talk to him about what he's seen so far, the coaching staff experiences in the NFL. And it's just so interesting to me when you get to hear again, because we see the combine on TV, we know they're going through OTAs, but, but what's it really like for these players? You know, we read what beat writers put out and things like that, but to hear it from the players mouth themselves, it was awesome. It was so great to have him on.
1: Yeah, agreed. And, and I would love to have him on again. And, and, it's just it's just a really cool experience to hear these guys and talk to them one on one, like you said. But um they're really competing for competing to make a living. And, you know, there's gonna be somebody and I think DJ will make the team, by the way. And I th- I thought I share your opinion that he was an absolute steal in the sixth round. I think he'll be starting by the end of the season, which means mm. that he'll be taking you know, he'll be taking somebody else's spot, whether it's Quentin Dial or or whoever it is. But yeah, um, you know, there are these roster battles that are that are going to happen that we really are getting a preview of now we are and and this is this is the type of year you
2: know you see a lot of these late round picks and and most of the time they don't make an impact a lot of them may not make the team i i think most of the guys that the niners took late are going to make this team and a lot of them are going to have have impact you look at trent taylor george kittle um dj jones i I think these guys are going to play a big role this year and eventually in the next year or two they're going to be big time players for the niners Again, I wasn't just saying it because because we were talking to DG. I think he was a steal. I think he's going to be a great player for them. I think he's making the fifty three. I think he he's going
1: to be a rotational guy this year, and I think by next year, the year after, he's he's going to be an impact guy for them. Yeah, I mean, he's super athletic. I think uh, I think he'll start honestly, and I and I really mean that. And when they drafted him, I we had we actually had a conversation that night, and and I mentioned to you this was this was off air. I mentioned to you that this guy is going to be a, a star, and I think that he's he's got a really high ceiling and. and is going to be one of those under the radar guys that, you know, two three years down the line, we're going to look at and be like, wow, I can't believe he fell through the sixth round. So, it's really really great pickup in my opinion. I
2: had him when we were doing our mock draft and looking at players, and looking at nose tackles. I thought he was a guy who would go third fourth round. I didn't think he would last till the sixth. So, so for them to come in and get him was a terrific pick for them. And it, it's it's part of the Lynch and Shanahan laying the foundation, getting their players, and that leads me into actually thinking about their players there's been a lot of back and forth with Niner fans and and I've taken a little bit of heat when, when I say that I don't think Carlos Hyde's gonna be on this team in 2018 and it's nothing against Hyde as the player nothing at all I think he's a really good player I think he's gonna have a really good year if he gets the opportunity but I just don't think the 49ers are gonna commit a big chunk of money to a running back not when you see that the way that the Shanahan's have drafted running backs, they draft them in the mid rounds and they develop these guys in their system. And like I said, now Shanahan Lynch are getting their players and and Joe Williams was one of their players that they're going to bring in Matt, Matt Breda could be a guy who can come in and make this team. Tim Hightower, you have these other running backs. And again, I, I think Hyde is, I, he'll have a, he'll be just fine if he if, if he gets if he doesn't get hurt this year and he gets his reps he'll be just fine but i just don't see them committing money to him long term so it's it's not a thing where i don't think he's a good player and i don't want him on the team i just don't think the coaching staff is going to bring him back that's my opinion
1: and it's really interesting uh, about carlos hyde he's when he's healthy and he's on he's you know he's a solid back and he can run through people and he has that aggressive violent running style that that a lot of people look for but like you said the the issue with him is health and he's never played a full 16 game season. And interestingly enough, if you go about 800, 800 miles up North to Seattle, they're having the same issue with Thomas Rawls where he, you know, when he plays, he's great, but he just can never stay on the field. So they picked up Eddie Lacey and they got CJ pro size and they have a kind of a crowded backfield now. So this isn't just exclusive to the 49ers. And I, I don't think it's a roster problem. I think it's a problem that many teams kind of go through because the running back position Uh, It's not put at a premium anymore. It's 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 more of a running back by committee league now because it's gone to the more more towards passing. And it's it's
2: been hard to judge Hyde. It really has because of the team he's had around him. They can't throw the ball. The blocking's been a little, you know, there's hasn't been great all the time for him. So it's been tough to judge him. But if you look at the numbers, it was interesting because I feel like at the end of last year a light kind of went on with him where five of the last six games he he was on fire from weeks 11 to 15 he carried the ball 82 times for 507 yards totally went off at the end of last year and you think maybe a light went on for him but if you look at his performance previous to that he actually had a career uh, yards per carry of 3.85 going into week 11 of last year and um in 20 games, in 14 of them, he uh, failed to break 3.8, 3.8 yards per carry. So he wasn't a guy that was consistently getting four yards a carry, having these good games. He had a lot of games where he struggled until the end of last year when, when it looked like that light went on. So... What was even more impressive about when he did go on that stretch at the end of last year is the Niners averaged 177 yards passing a game during that stretch. So they weren't throwing the ball at all. And teams knew they couldn't throw the ball. They had, they had no weapons on the outside, and, and Hyde was still doing that to the defense. So it's interesting to see if he comes out this year in an offense that's going to be much more conducive to to putting up numbers. If he comes out and has a big year, if it looks like there's somebody, he's someone that they'll resign. Or if it's again, they can say, you know what, you could run for 2000 yards this year. We're not paying you that sort of thing. So it just all depends what Lynch and Shanahan think of these players. And at this point, we just don't know until we see who gets the playing time, who they lean on during the season. We just don't know what they think of these players.
1: Yeah, And it's pretty clear that they they have said that everybody's pretty much everybody is on notice. There's, There's very few players on this roster that are that are untouchable. And that much has has become clear through John Lynch's comments about how every position is going to compete and the way that they've drafted and, and kind of doubling and tripling up on some of these positions. I think right now there are about five or six tight ends on the roster. So they're hoping that that iron sharpens iron. A uh, little Jim Harbaugh-ism for you. but. <laughs> They're, they're hoping that iron sharpens iron and, and really that the cream rises to the top and these guys can can come out and, and they'll have the best players available uh, on the roster by the end of it. And it should be that way.
2: Who? What holdover players do we know for sure what they are? Do we know for sure you you don't want to get rid of these guys? Staley, right? Bowman falls into that. As long as he's healthy, Bowman's a stud. Who, who else falls into that? Buckner, definitely. We yeah, don't I, really know what what Ward is yet we don't really know what Armstead is yet do you put Hyde in there you know there aren't a lot of holdovers that you would say you can't get rid of this guy there's really in my estimation three I think you got Bowman Staley and um, Buckner are the only three that I would say you know what like like they're studs you don't let them go anywhere in, in my opinion
1: yeah Buckner's really special I was actually you know in our prep for the show today I was thinking about him and 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 what he what he did last year he had he had over seventy tackles last year and six sacks from the from the you know three four defensive end position which is which is astounding now, he was he was around the ball constantly so I think that he's gonna be he's gonna be great I think he's gonna be real special but one guy you didn't mention was actually Rashard Robinson is and I'm really oh, high yes. on this guy yep, yep, yep. and Rashard Robinson this guy like he has he has all of the attributes that that you need to have a shutdown corner and a number one corner so I think he's another one of those guys that's that's untouchable right now.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. I completely forgot about him. And when you, when, you look at, when you look at the defense, Buckner did really grow last year. He had some, some issues getting low. He had some leverage issues, especially in the running game, and he would get moved around because of that. As the season went on, he got better. But I, I look at the Niners' defense, and I don't think they have that true pass rusher, but they do have talent. There is talent there. Jimmy Ward is, is talented. Robinson's talented. Armstead. Buckner you there's talented guys there and I, I know that they had a lot of injuries last year but I really think that the scheme had a lot to do with their issues the players that they had are not worst historically bad defense um they were the worst defense in the league last year they were historically bad and when you look at the guys on their roster I, I don't feel like they should have been that bad I think Jim O'Neill's system was atrocious I think that it had players reacting instead of playing and, and it, it it hurt the performance on the field now, the injuries did have a part play a part in that. The linebackers were special teamers last year. But the front four in that defensive line really struggled. They really struggled with technique. They really struggled to make an impact. And I think it was because of the scheme. And I think with the new 4-3 scheme that they're going into, you're going to see some of these guys jump up and, and play better. And all of a sudden, you'll hear by midseason, oh, well, how about this Niners defense? Because, listen, I don't think it's going to be top five, but I don't think it's going to be bottom five either. I really believe this can be
1: middle of the pack defense as long as they can get a pass rush from somewhere yeah and and it really also comes down to each unit helping each other and the offense was so bad last year that they were constantly going three and out they were turning the ball over they were they were not able to sustain drives and with chip kelly's offense they they were last in the league in time of possession for the last three years that he's coached so they're they're not going to be on the field that much as it is the offense speaking um but the defense, they they basically got tired. They 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 ran out of gas because they had too many plays. And part of that was, you know, obviously the fact that they couldn't rotate because, like you said, the injuries of linebackers. But the other part of that was that they didn't they didn't change their schema based off of the personnel that they had. Because what do you need to run a three four? You need a lot of linebackers and a lot of fast linebackers. And they had neither last year. So they, the fact that this—they basically were trying to fit a square peg in a round hole all season. Last season with the defense, and it showed. They were awful. Yeah, it was bad. When you look at the, I mean, nobody,
2: nobody is at running back. We're getting a hundred yards, hundred fifty yards on them. It was just, it was a complete joke. It really was. I hope to God we don't have to watch that again for for a long time because it's, you know, because yajida look, <laughs> watching that for sure. Um, all right, I'm going to ask you this question, just straight up: Does Vance McDonald make this team?
1: Uh, that's a that's a good that's that's a that's a good question and you know my gut my gut says no and uh, and I'll tell you why it's because they seem to be really high on George Kittle and his pass catching ability and, and the fact that he's you know he he's a good route runner and he can block a little bit too but uh, also Cole Hicatini as well that's and he's your guy you know he's he's one of your guys yeah, that you yep. yeah and and the fact that he's kind of risen up and and kind of shown some flashes in in OTA, I know it's just OTAs, but he's he had a pretty good OTA and and he's he's doing all the right things. And these guys are on rookie contracts. The all of that factored in tells me that Vance McDonald will either be traded or released. It depends on if they want to do him a favor because he's a veteran. Be like, you know, we're gonna we're gonna release you towards the early part of the training camp so that you can maybe catch on somewhere else, or whether they want to hang on to him see if they can dangle him as trade bait and just keep him inactive i i, I really don't think he's going to be on the team or on the field um, regardless of what happens this year he's a decent blocker you can't trust him in, in the passing game and, and i'm gonna throw
2: some numbers out at you here he has a 15.8 percent drop rate which is the worst among tight ends with at least 75 catchable targets uh since since entering the league in 2013 and not coincidentally his career catch rate is 54 percent. so in his career Again, this is his career, not a season. He has 64 receptions on 118 targets. And I think even with the new contract that he got, look, the Niners have a ton of money under the cap. They can eat whatever they have to eat this year. And then they're pretty much off the hook for the rest of the contract. I I don't think he's going to make this team, you know, barring him coming into training camp and and just being a different player. I don't think he's going to make the team. I think it's going to be Kittle. I think he makes it. I think Logan Paulson... We'll probably make it as well. You could see all three tight ends from last year, Bell, Bell, Selleck and McDonald, not being on the team. Here, here's another kind of scary stat. And, and I'm not saying Logan Paulson is like this, you know, he's Robert Gronkowski in the passing game. I'm not saying that, but from 2011 to 2014 with the Redskins. Okay. Logan Paulson had 77 catches for 791 yards and five touchdowns with a 63% catch rate from 2013 to 2016. Also four years. Vance McDonald, 64 catches, 866 yards, seven touchdowns, a 54% catch rate. Vance McDonald has done nothing, <laughs> nothing. His numbers are comparable with Logan Paulson, who's, who's known for a blocker. When he was signed, everybody's like, yeah, the guy can block. He can't catch any passes. He had a four-year stretch that was comparable to McDonald. He had 13 more catches than McDonald over a four-year stretch. What, what is that saying about Vance McDonald? He's just, I, I just don't see him having a future
1: with the Niners. Yeah, I think that they well I mean we all know that they tried to tried to trade him during the draft and weren't able to do it. So that's kind of the 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 final nail in the coffin if you will for uh this time with the 49ers. I don't, I don't think he's going to be here much longer. I don't who's gonna think pay that, that contract? Cal- Who's going to pay the contract? Who's going to who's going to take that trade in, unless
2: the Niners eat money? Who who who's going to pay him what what they're paying him for a guy with 64 catches in 4 years? You're not going to give him that kind of money. I don't yeah, understand no why way. why why Jed York let, let Balky make that move at, at the end. You knew you were getting rid of Balky or at least you knew that
1: it was a possibility. Why are you letting him sign McDonald to that extension? It makes no sense to me. I mean, it might've been one of those unilateral decision sort of things, but, um, and we don't know, we're not in the building. We don't know how soon they decided they were going to fire Trent Balky. So it may have been before that in all fairness, but I, I agree. He's not, there's no way that anybody takes that contract. He's, probably going to end up released and the 49ers will have to eat the money which they can which is great because they have so much of that so much cap money um or cap room and they shouldn't have any problem eating that contract but the interesting thing is you mentioned and keeping the theme of, of cole hickettini and, and undrafted free agents. you mentioned the fact that you you think that he might make the team are there any other undrafted free agents that you feel like will make the 49ers i think lorenzo Jerome's gonna make it i do i, I think um, so too yeah. I think, and, and
2: again, when you get a team that needed a complete rebuild, there's opportunities for for guys like Hackettini and, and Jerome. Uh, you know, there's no free safety behind Jimmy Ward, really, and and he fits the bill. And I I think both of those guys are going to end up on, on the 53 men roster. You know, I think you're going to see that, that Lynch and company are very willing to part with some of these holdovers to get these young guys in to give them a chance because anybody could say what they want to. No but nobody expects the Niners to do anything this year. And I don't even know what they do inside the building. And I'm even, you know, I said they could maybe get seven wins. The more I think about it, I don't even know if they could do that. This is really going to be a tran- transition year to see who, who, who is part of their future and who can help them in the future. And part of the reason I don't think they're really going to win a lot of games this year anymore is, and I mentioned this when we were talking to Taylor Price last week, like I kind of talked myself into Brian Hoyer. Now I'm kind of talking myself out of Brian Hoyer. And I keep talking <laughs> myself in and out of Brian Hoyer, which, which just isn't good. And... um. Looking at his numbers, and again, you can't tell a lot from numbers, but you know I like to throw stats out there. Um, Hoyer's numbers in fifth two thousand fifteen 2016 he had five hundred and sixty nine pass attempts. He completed sixty three percent of his throws for four thousand fifty one yards, twenty five touchdowns, and seven interceptions. Five hundred sixty nine. That's like a season. That's a really good season. If he did that, four thousand fifty one yards, twenty five TDs, seven picks, that'd be outstanding. It would be outstanding. Um, but the thing is, when you look at numbers, I'm you know I'm not watching these games. I haven't sat and looked at his films. So, is he behind when he's putting up a lot of these numbers? Is he throwing passes that should be picked off and they're not? You know, they can be very misleading. Um, he he definitely wasn't putting up a ton of points on offense. So, and when he was with Shanahan's offense with the Browns, his stats didn't look like that. Um, although he did have a ten and six record with the Browns, he's the only starting quarterback to have a winning record with that team since they came back in the league in '99. So when I look at his numbers, I can kind of talk myself into Brian Hoyer for a season. But sometimes when you see, you know, like I said, the numbers don't really translate to, to what you're seeing on the field all the time. So I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I'm going to be drinking a lot. I think this year is what's going to happen. So
1: <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, does it really matter? Honestly, Al, if if you know, those numbers translate or not, like, let's be honest here. It's Brian Hoyer. I think I think he's a great guy to to have as a bridge. I think he would be a great backup as well. And I think he'll win some games. and. Seven wins is, is pretty much the ceiling, not because of his abilities, but more because of the, the team right now and, and where they are in terms of building the roster. But let's be honest, he's really just holding the seat warm or keeping the seat warm for the next guy next year, whether it's Kirk Cousins or one of these rookies coming out. And his performance this year, I, I really think that uh, not a lot of people are going are gonna to be bent out of shape if he's, if he's not tearing it up this year. And and the reason why is, like I said, is he's just really keeping the seat warm.
2: I, I just wonder, and with his injury history, too, if he's if he's going to make it through the season, I have no faith in Matt Barkley behind him. Um, Barkley in his career has 18 interceptions and 266 pass attempts. I know he had a lot of drop passes with Chicago last year, but Hoyer played with the same Chicago team pretty much and, and put up really good numbers, and, and Barkley seems like a turnover machine to me. One of the one of the things that makes me feel a little bit positive about him is that Shanahan wanted him, so he sees something in him. But I I know he had a tough OTA Barkley, from um what I could gather. So I I don't have a lot of confidence in him behind Hoyer at all. And I just wonder at some point if this team is three and ten or four and nine, and as long as Bethard isn't lost, I think you have to throw him on the field if if they if they have no chance at the playoffs and you got two or three games left and they're is progressing, and you think he, he could play. I think you have got to get him on the field and get his feet wet.
1: I don't know. I, you know, I'm I'm kind of on the fence about that too. It's just because you also run the risk of of ruining him as well if he's not ready. And I, I feel like as poorly as Blaine Gabbert played, I feel like that's kind of what happened to him in his career. They the Jaguars kind of ruined him by throwing him out too quickly, and the 49ers almost ruined Alex Smith by throwing him out too quickly and not really giving him any anything to work with. So. Uh, if not for Jim Harbaugh, you know, Alex Smith, he would have been out of the league by now. So it really depends on, like you said, where Beathard is and he seems like a bright guy and and he's played in a pro style offense. So I think that the seasoning that he's going to need is going to be less than a guy who comes out of a spread, um, or, you know, a, a read option type of offense. So, you know, I'm, 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 I'd be okay with it if it happened. But I really hope this season doesn't take that turn, because if that happens, then we know the season is completely lost and there's no point of of having hope for anything. The only reason I disagree with that and and you're right, you are right about you don't want to ruin a quarterback. You don't
2: want to um, have them end up like David Carr, you know, where he just gets shell shocked. But I think the Niners have one of the coaches, one of the few coaches in the league that there's almost zero chance he'd put the quarterback in a position for that to happen. You have to. I mean, Shanahan puts his quarterbacks in positions to succeed. I mean, you have to really try to screw up to screw up in, in his offense. He calls plays that to their strengths. To, that's very QB friendly. So I, I think with Bethard, he would do things that he would be able to do uh, as long as he's ready. And he's not going to put him in a position where he's just atrocious and he loses confidence. Now, you can't help if the offensive line doesn't block. So the offensive line obviously still has to block regardless of the plays you're calling or whatever. But. I really feel with the head coach that's there now, it's a great spot for a young quarterback to come in and, and, and learn because he Shanahan has proven time and time
1: again you could give him any type of QB and, and he can make them successful. Yeah, so you mentioned C.J. Beathard as, as a rookie to watch, and I'm going to put you on the spot here. And I'm going to ask you who your rookies to watch, whether drafted or undrafted, uh, for 2017 are, but I'll give you mine first so that... Okay. So that if I pick one, then you have to pick another one. So <laughs> it's okay. That's really putting me on the spot. That's all right. Yeah. So I'm going to put you. For put you yeah. I'm going to put your knowledge to the test here. So for me, I'm going to go with the, we'll, we'll go with our top three rookies to watch. Okay. And the number one rookie for me to watch, obviously is Ruben Foster. And I think he's just going to be an absolute stud. He's a heat seeking missile on the field. I think he's going to be great. Um, the second, guy to watch for me is is our guy dj jones and i have been saying this since he got drafted that this guy's a steal he's gonna start and he's gonna make an impact and the guy is super super like ridiculously athletic and for those who haven't seen it please go blow up my dude's twitter and just just watch just watch him dunk a basketball it's 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 unreal to see a guy that big dunking into basketball it's awesome and the third guy i'm going to say is actually it's going to be joe Williams and. The reason why is because the Forty ers they've got they've got a coach and a running back coach who you know come from the Denver tree of turning mid round backs into gold. And I think that Joe Williams really fits that fits that bill. Aside from the the issues that he had off the field in Utah, if he's if he's if he's right and if he's dedicated to football, I really think they found something in him.
2: I agree with everybody you said. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna steal one of yours, but where I'll go with these are those mid round offensive guys that the Niners took when they took Joe Williams, Kittle and uh, Trent Taylor. What that was Shanahan getting his type of offensive players in the mid rounds. That was him identifying, okay, these are guys who would succeed in my system. They're not, you know, first or second round type guys, but these are guys that I can get in the mid rounds that can play a role. I don't know that any of them are going to be superstars, but they can all play a role in the system. So he goes on the, you know, on top of the table and pounds his fist to get Joe Williams back on the draft board, gets him in there. And he's going to be, you know, whether he's a back that gets 10 carries a game or 15, 16, 17 carries a game, he's going to be a part of the offense. Shanahan knows what he wants to do with him. Same thing with George Kittle tight end. He's going to catch passes. He's an excellent blocker. And Trent Taylor is going to be a guy in the slot. He's, He's already impressing in OTAs Taylor. He, you know, he's fast. He can get open. So those three guys, I don't know how much of a role they'll play this year, but they're certainly going to get their feet wet. And by the end of the year, you could you could really theoretically see all three of those guys getting a, a lot of snaps by the end of the season. So that to me was, was a clinic by Lynch and Shanahan of identifying guys that fit in their system and grabbing them in the middle rounds. And it, it, I think it's going to pay dividends. I think when you look at this draft in a few years, you're going to say, wow, that was a good first
1: draft to get some pieces for the Niners. And on top of that, I'm going to say that Lorenzo Jerome is going to make the team. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's, def- he's definitely making the team. Because if there's one name that you hear coming out of OTAs, uh, well, there's a couple, but he's, he's one of the guys that every reporter, every beat writer is like Lorenzo Jerome's. Lorenzo Jerome's all over the place making plays everywhere. And I think that goes a long way. And the fact that, like you said, there's nobody behind Ward, I really think he's going to make the team as an undrafted free agent, which would be a really, really cool story because you, you don't see that happen a lot. You don't, and I thought he should have been
2: drafted, um, but I, the Niners got really lucky to be able to get him, and he was smart to sign with the Niners because there's a huge opportunity there for him, and obviously he saw that, but hey, we can ask him that because he's, he's coming on the show, so we could we ask him those questions.
1: Oh, we, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. He is coming on the show, so hopefully uh, we'll be able to, to pick his brain a little bit about all that and see if he, if he has a chip on his shoulder because of that because I, I think that he should have been drafted at, at the very least in the later rounds. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting interview. I have a lot of questions for him. Yeah. And one question I have for you, Al, and this is not even football related, but this is for our uh, friends who are fans of the Warriors or or Cavs or just basketball in general. Who's who's winning the finals?
2: Oh, man, I'm a Lakers fan. You know where I am with the NBA right now. It's I'm going to watch the finals. I think it's going to be really entertaining. But you didn't even and I mentioned this when we were talking to DJ. Like, why? Why do we even play this season? I, you know, I almost felt like it's just, <laughs> you know, it was going to be these two teams. I think the Warriors are the better team for sure. And I think Durant puts them over the top. You can never discount the LeBron factor, but I thought it was interesting too. Now that we're talking, not to get off totally off topic, but we're talking about best ever. And, And LeBron is the dude's just the best athlete. Maybe one of the best athletes I've ever seen. He's insane. But again, if you're talking best ever and you have to look at eras, so, you look at the '80s; you had Magic, who won five titles. Um, you know Larry Bird. You look at the '90s; you have Jordan, who won six and zero. You have Kobe, who won five t- titles. Shaq won four titles. If LeBron loses these finals, he's three and five in finals. You know, and I, and I know you have to have obviously other players around you. You can't do it all on your own. But I don't know that you could say that he's he's certainly one of the best players ever. He's unbelievable, unbelievable. But again, if you're talking best dominating within their era. Did you totally dominate if you went three and five in finals? I, I mean, am I being too hard on him?
1: Well, it's, it's interesting. And I mentioned to DJ that I'm ride or die with Jordan, but I'm also one of those people who, who respects and appreciates greatness. And LeBron James, there will never be another LeBron James in our lifetime, at least.
2: No, he's, an, he's exactly. incredible.
1: I'm not taking anything away yeah. from him. He's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's not going to be a guy with that, that size and strength and speed and skill uh, in our lifetime. It's, it's, it's unheard of. So he is a once-in-a-lifetime player. But is he the greatest ever? I, I really hesitate to throw that around when a guy is still finishing his body of work. You know what I mean? Like he's still, he's still playing. He's still got five or six years left in him within which he can, he can solidify that or put that or, or be left out of the conversation. You look at Peyton Manning and what he was doing six years ago. We were talking about Peyton Manning as possibly the greatest quarterback ever. But one Super Bowl loss and another week's Super Bowl performance later, even though he won, we no longer put him in the same discussion as Brady and Montana. It's just basically Brady and Montana. And then, you know, below that, there's like the second tier of quarterback. So really to me, LeBron is pretty much just like Peyton Manning at this point. Like he's a great, a great talent, surefire for hall of famer, probably top five all time, maybe top three all time when he's done. But I don't think he's the greatest because I mean, how can you argue with six and oh, in the finals and the way that Jordan did it, you know, he averaged more points per game than LeBron did in, in his career in the playoffs. So uh, even though LeBron just broke the points record for for most career points, uh, Le, uh, Jordan still had more points per game. So I, I still give the edge to Jordan. Yeah, it's just it's so hard to to compare eras
2: and in and, and look at it. You know, Jordan couldn't get past those Celtics and in Pistons teams in the eighties, and and then once he got a little bit more around him, he went off in the nineties. You know, it's it's just it's it's hard to compare eras in in. I think even you might have even said this. I don't know somebody said it, but you you just have to enjoy what you're seeing I think but did I even answer your question I, I'm gonna take the Warriors I think the Warriors are gonna win because um, I, I just think with having Durant on that team I, I think for Durant this is his moment you know this is what he signed with the team for and he's gonna go out and I think he's gonna have a great finals and then they just have so much fight Durant and Curry and Draymond Green and Thompson's a really good player they just have to have those four guys I don't I don't see I don't see how they can lose
1: yeah I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Warriors too and the reason why is because, I mean, come on, they haven't lost a game yet in the playoffs. That's ridiculous. Yeah, They're, insane. they're, they're just steamrolling through everybody. And, and people can say, ah, oh, well, the Spurs didn't have Kawhi, but the, the Warriors still did what they had to do, and they swept them. You know, you could they would be complaining the other way if, they, if the Warriors took them, if the Spurs took them to seven. So really, it comes down to, to uh, I think, the amount of talent and depth in that combination. Um, and right now where the Warriors are at, I agreed the Cavs are just rolling over everybody in the East, but the problem is that the East is the weaker conference and has been for about the last ten years. So LeBron's pretty much been getting a free pass almost every year to the finals, whereas all the strong you know, most of the strong teams and the players are in the West. So the fact that the Warriors were able to go through that and kind of get through unscathed, it's a different team than last year. Like if you look at the series against OKC last year, they almost lost. They were you know, they were mm-hmm. a couple of minutes away from from losing. And the end of that season last year when they're trying to set the record, they were kind of struggling a little bit um with teams that they shouldn't struggle with. And and obviously Curry got hurt and everything. And you can kind of see it crumbling before they got to the finals. But this year it's completely different. They've really just steamrolled through everybody. And it's a different mentality, different team. And and you're basically replacing the worst player last year in the finals on either team in Harrison Barnes with KD, which which I agree will be the difference. So I'm gonna go Warriors and 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 Uh, I'm going to go with the Bay I'm going to go with the Bay's team and I'm going to say that the Warriors are going to win
2: yeah and they can just turn it on drop it even with that was game one against Spurs yeah when they were down by 23 or whatever it was in third quarter and I know Leonard went out but when they turn it on they can just get buckets left and right and they just go on these runs they're a really fun team to watch and even being a Lakers fan I appreciate watching the Warriors they really do and people, you know, it's funny. People will say, like, now when someone likes the Warriors, oh, you're a front runner, But the Warriors were horrible for years, you know? It's it's good to see a team like them step up and and have a little little bit of a dynasty run because the NBA has the same teams pretty much winning it all the time. So it, it's good to see a different team have their their moment of glory and have a nice little run here.
1: It is, but I, but I know it chaps you just a little bit to see the Warriors there and the Lakers are just, you know, getting the number two pick. And you have the blessing of being able to take – uh, Lonzo Ball and also Lavar Ball. So you you will have that blessing on your team for the next ten years. And I all I have to say is just uh uh. Well, all I have to say is just pretty much laugh because that's oh my god. Awful. <laughs> the guy's awful.
2: Why why do people? Why do they? Why do you put a microphone in front of that guy's face? Just don't talk to him. You know. Yeah. It's like ESPN built him in a basement so they had somebody to like run out (laughs) on their their shows. I don't know if I said if I said this before, but he's he's utterly ridiculous. And you get you know Calen Cowherd and ESPN like oh yeah, come on our show and and act like an idiot and we'll replay it all day. Like come on man, like really we got to talk to this guy. Like he's that dad, you know? He's that dad. Except Except his son is about to go pro. Yeah, it's utterly ridiculous. So I don't know, maybe the Lakers are going in a different direction. I just when you're a Lakers fan, to me, having lottery picks doesn't excite me. I
1: want them to go out and make a run at Paul George and actually get back into this thing. So yeah, should be should be interesting and it should definitely be an interesting finals as well. This is what everybody wanted. This is at least what I've been wanting as a as a sports fan, as a basketball fan, as, you know, as an anything fan to see the trilogy which has never been done before in basketball. Like this is this is just awesome and I'm I'm looking forward to a good series. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Well, it's, it's that time again. It's time to say uh, it's time to say goodbye to the fans. For Al Sacco, this is Zane Nakvi. Thank you for listening. Rate us on iTunes. Catch us on SoundCloud. And follow us on Twitter. Al Sacco 49. Mine's at Zane49ers. And until next time, see you. Thanks, everybody.